0: Fired Up Show starts right now. And welcome everybody. Welcome to Fired Up Podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to listen. As always, I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, we can bring you information uh, that can help you understand our political system here in the United States. So let's let's get um, some housekeeping done before we get started with the news of the day. Uh, As usual and as always. We give you our COVID update. Uh, In the U.S. here, we have 83.9 million cases have been reported. Uh, 1,004,000 people have died from the disease. And 584.3 million people have been vaccinated against the COVID-19 pandemic here in this country. I want to give you, and we're going to spend this edition... Uh, talking exclusively about the events that happened and what's been going on since the 24th of May. So, essentially, there's uh, one more set of numbers that I want to give to you, and they are uh, 21 and 19. Uh, on May 24th of this year, roughly a uh, little bit more than a week ago as this podcast is Is published Um, 21 people were killed at a mass shooting in Uvalde Texas and of that 21 19 were children uh, eight nine and ten year old so you know it unless you've been hiding under a rock you know this is not something that should be news to you it's been all over the news it's been the top story now for at least six days, and continues to draw a lot of attention. Well, we're going to take a look, um, not so much at, you know, the, the shooting itself, but we're going to take a look, as we do, at some of the mechanics uh, underneath uh, what this shooting has triggered here in the United States. Uh, in particular, uh, the discussions, um, unfortunately, as always, after an event like this, the discussions in this country turn to uh, what can we do about gun violence? Uh, and I'll put those in quotes. Um, but we're going to look at some of the some of the things that are you know, lie beneath the surface uh, of this tragedy. Uh, some things that you know, clearly are American issues that we as a country need to deal with. And at the, the conclusion, I'm going to give you a couple of um, action items and actually uh, some things that you know, we as Americans, regardless of our political party, we need to take up this this uh, this task. We need to make it happen. We need to make sure that uh, we we send this over the top. So let's let's start off. And, and as I said. Uh, on the 24th, uh, an 18-year-old gunman, who uh, on his 18th birthday uh, went to a gun store in uh, Uvalde, Texas, and purchased two AR-15 rifles. Now, it, it should be noted that because he had just turned 18, it was legal for him to do so. Uh, which you know we'll we'll get into the discussion on purchasing guns and age and so forth in a few minutes. But uh, in 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 capsule form um, he proceeded to uh, shoot his grandmother who he lived with at, at the time and then proceeded to go to the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas uh, where he uh, proceeded to shoot and kill 19 school students, uh, and again, uh, 8, 9, and 10 years old, uh, as well as two teachers, uh, before you know, police were able to um, take him out, as it were. Uh, you know, the, the news is, is covering this, you know, cover to cover, so there, there isn't really much information I can give you with regard to the actual shooting that you probably haven't already received from whichever source you get your news from. But I do want to talk about some of the things that that are the undercurrent of events like this. And I'm going to start it off um, with an article that comes out of Axios. And this was published on May 26th. And, you know, the article is talking about how guns have become the leading cause of death for American children. Uh, for the longest time, uh um, You know, at least going back at least 20 or more years, motor vehicle accidents were the number one cause of death for children uh, ages 0 to 19. Now, according to data from the CDC, and for the first time in 2020, uh, firearms became the leading cause of death for kids ages 0 to 19. And uh, the CDC is reporting that. Uh, while motor vehicle uh, accidents accounted for 4.8 deaths per 100,000 children, uh, gun and and firearms uh, now account for 5.3 deaths per 100,000 children ages 0 to 19 years old. Um, And that number, the the firearms number, had been steadily increasing since about 2014, and, as I said, finally overtook motor vehicles uh, in 2020. And now, you know, it exceeds the number of children killed in car crashes uh, by, you know, almost uh, three per 100,000 uh, deaths in this country. And, you know, this article, which came from Axios, uh, show, you know, it talks about why... Uh, It matters, and and pretty simply, it says the firearm death rate among children is steadily rising as more kids are involved in gun-related homicides like Tuesday's mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, as well as suicides and accidents. And it it breaks it down and says, you know, nearly two-thirds of the 4,368 children up to age 19 who were killed by guns in 2020 were homicide victims. Motor vehicle crashes, formerly the leading cause of death for kids one and older, killed nearly 4,000 children. Uh, it, It cites the statistics from the CDC that says male youths were significantly more likely to be killed by guns while vehicle crashes claimed more females. There was also a stark racial disparities. The firearm death rate for black children was more than four times that of white children and white children were still more likely to be killed by motor vehicles than guns. And it uh, talks about the areas of the country uh, that that had the highest firearm death rates. And uh, should not be too much of a surprise that Washington, D.C. had the highest firearm death rate, followed by Louisiana, Arkansas, and Mississippi. And uh, again... 100, um, per one hundred per one hundred thousand deaths, uh, Louisiana was at twelve. Ar- um, Alaska was at uh, just under twelve. Mississippi was ten point nine. South Carolina nine point nine. Arkansas nine point eight. Kansas eight point nine. Indiana eight point seven. Kentucky eight point six. Missouri eight point five. Alabama seven point eight. Uh, and those were the leaders uh, in, in the country. Uh, as I said, the CDC has produced a study about this. Uh, you can find it uh, going to their website and searching for uh, gun deaths among children. And, you know, in, in some of the, the features they're saying here is, you know, as the progress made in reducing deaths from motor vehicle crashes, crashes shows, we don't have to accept the high rate of firearm-related deaths among U.S. children. Uh, The study noted that while the National Highway Safety Administration could take the lead addressing road traffic fatalities, firearms are one of the few products whose safety isn't regulated by a dedicated federal agency. Uh, And I put a pin in that because I'm going to come back and talk about that. Uh, It has taken 20 years to build a database of firearm-related deaths that includes data from all 50 states, uh, the researchers uh, noted. And the bottom line, school shootings have become tragically common in the U.S. but constitute only a small fraction of gun deaths among children. So I want to come back to that point uh, on the fact that there is a federal agency that is responsible for uh, uh, overseeing and regulating and forming you know policies and laws regarding traffic safety and motor vehicle safety. But there is no corresponding federal level agency that addresses the issues of uh, firearm safety, uh, firearm fatalities, and, and so forth. Uh, and that is, from a political standpoint, that's very telling, uh, because gun deaths account for so many deaths in this country. I believe the number is well well in excess of forty thousand people a year die in you know firearm-related uh, fatalities, um, and yet there is no federal level agency that has any oversight into the safety the the application, the use of, and et cetera, et cetera, with regard to firearms. Now, you know, you can, you know, clearly you can understand given the strength of the, the gun lobby in this country, uh, most notably the NRA, National Rifle Association, and, you know, the, the amount of influence they have. Over you know the political leadership in this country, particularly in the the federal House and Senate, uh, why that number really should not be a surprise. Uh, there's no one guarding the 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 chicken coop, in other words, um, and you know that that has become a subject of discussion. And again, I say, as it always has, when we have these events, that. You know, someone somewhere you know, in in political leadership will call for more, you know, regulatory guidance, more oversight, more investigation, and you know that will be the that will be the rallying cry for you know a few days or a week or a month. Um, you know, and yet these these acts of senseless violence, these tragedies, continue uh, in. In 2020 alone, we've had some 27 uh, mass shootings, um, most of which involved uh, something to do with schools. And, you know, it's since Columbine, which, you know, believe it or not, was more than 15 years ago. We've had over 200 of these events. Uh, and, and as a side note, when I was doing my research, there was something I found that, that shocked me, is that there is uh, data that reports on um, mass shootings going back into the 1890s. So this is not a new phenomenon in America. But until we hit the, the Columbine milestone, uh, the number of fatalities per event, uh, typically, we're in the ones and twos, occasionally some threes and and even more rarely a few numbers higher than that. But, you know, it, it's it's when we get to Columbine that we see the the shift in uh, severity and in tragedy uh, of these mass shootings. And, you know, it it is uh, telling for this country that, you know, after this watershed event at this high school in Colorado, uh, that the action level taken by the United States uh, really is much the same as it is today, or or as we've seen at least up until this event in Uvalde, uh, where, you know, there's, there's outrage, there's call for action, there's, you know, Political speeches made and, you know, they always usually start with thoughts and prayers. And I'm so doggone tired of politicians standing up and telling us they they're giving their thoughts and prayers to the victims. Um, I agree with what I heard on on one of the newscasts uh, where, you know, someone said, let me see you get down on your knees right here, right now and and pray for those students. You know, I, I think we are getting tired of you know these words because they are they are bandied about so much that they are losing if they have not already lost uh, their meaning and their relevance. Uh, but but I dig- I digress. That that's a different subject for a different show. Um, the the idea that the mass killing of our children isn't enough of an event to spur our political leaders to action is really at the heart of what I want to talk about today. Uh, I am, you know, very much with the majority of this country. And when I say majority, I'm talking about 88% of the American population, not Democrats, not Republicans, not independents, 88% of the country is in favor of enacting some forms of common sense regulation to, to address these, these tendencies for these high victim count shootings. Now, for those of you who are about to grab a hold of your, your Second Amendment paper and, and start you know, railing about, you're not going to take my guns. No. Um, I actually believe in the Second Amendment. All right, What I don't believe in is an uncontrolled Second Amendment, or a lightly controlled Second Amendment. Uh, and, and particularly when it comes to these so-called uh, automatic rifles, these so-called uh, you know, auto, uh, weapons of war, um, high-count ma- high magazines, and so forth. These are designed solely to kill people in high quantities. Um, an AR-15 or, you know, a, a similar automatic rifle or semi-automatic rifle it is not a hunting weapon. It, it, the, the purpose of that is to project a high volume of bullets in rapid succession to take out a human target, uh, period, full stop. And, you know, while that's, this has become, you know, the... The first rifle that people who are going to buy guns for the first time will look at, um, and, and I should caveat it to say that, uh, you know, AR-style rifles are, you know, m- less than 1% of the weapons of choice for these mass shootings. The overwhelming majority of them are pistols, are handguns. All right, so, you know, let, let's get that out of the way before the arguments start coming in. But be that as it may, you know, we are a, a gun crazy society. According to statistics that I found, in this country, there are over 400 million guns in this country. Now, keep in mind, there's only about 337 million people from, you know, from, from cradle to grave in this country. So, you know, we have the highest percentage per capita of gun possession of any country in the world. Um, there was a, another article that came up that gave some more good statistics. Um, you know, and, and it too said, uh, and, and this was uh, a factual look at guns in America. And this came from the GunsInAmerica.com website. So... 44% of U.S. households own a gun, all right? 393, or, or close to 400 million guns, are owned by U.S. citizens. And I'll, I'll side note that to say that's that they know about. There's this phenomenon now called ghost guns, which is, is a whole different wrinkle. 57% of felons and this is again according to the U.S. Department of Justice and on this website, uh, are more afraid of an armed citizen than a cop. Um, so, if you've got that going for you, guns used in self-defense: twenty-five point three million Americans, thirty-one percent of gun owners, have used a gun in self-defense. In nearly eighty-two percent of these cases, the gun was never found Now never fired. All right. And according to the National Research Council study done during the uh, presidency of Barack Obama, guns are used for self-defense between 500,000 and 3 million times every year. Uh, That translates to 1,369 to 8,219 times every day. Uh, Because many cases of self-defense are not reported to the police, the real number may be on the higher end. And I would tend to agree with that. So here's another myth that uh, we can debunk uh, with fact. Uh, Criminal acquisition of guns. Uh, The article talks about politicians will often talk about the, quote, gun show loophole and make it seem as if that was a primary source of guns being used to carry out crimes in America today. However, a U.S. Department of Justice survey of prison inmates who had used a gun to carry out their crime found that only 0.8% of criminals purchased their gun at a gun show. A similar study carried out in Pittsburgh found that nearly 80% of criminals caught with a firearm were not the legal owner of that gun. All right. So, you know, I, I think... That's kind of intuitive, and and if you really look at the the statistics about it and think about the facts behind it, it kind of makes kind of logical sense. Um, While the number of guns manufactured in the U.S. each year has increased dramatically, the homicide rate has continued to fall at the same time. So more guns are being produced, fewer people are uh, dying uh, because of gun violence. And, you know, another statistic that the article reports talks about concealed carry and analysis of FBI crime statistics found that while U.S. counties that adopted concealed carry laws saw a reduction of uh, murders by eight and a half percent, rapes by five percent, assaults by seven percent, robberies by three percent. Um and ninety four percent of the mass shootings have occurred in what are known as gun free zones, so the boundaries don't seem to make a difference. Uh, you know, so we we're talking about guns, but I also dug in to look at what about uh you know hand handguns versus rifles. And, you know, the article also provides some stats on uh, U.S. rifles. It says, whenever people start trying to ban guns, quote, assault rifles, close quote, such as the AR-15 are usually where they start. However, the number of homicides committed with rifles in the U.S. is very low. There are approximately 20 million rifles in circulation in the U.S. today, yet they only accounted for 364 murders uh, in 2019. That is uh, one murder per 55,000 rifles owned. Um, you are the, I found this interesting. You are nearly twice as likely to be murdered by being punched or kicked than you are from being shot by a rifle. Um, and it gives some statistics. Fist, hands, and feet accounted for 600 murders. And I guess this is still the 2019 data. Knives, 1,476 murders. Clubs, hammers, and bats, 397 murders. Falling from stairs, 1,307 accidental deaths. Falling out of bed, 650 accidental deaths. And uh, again, um, data from the FBI and rifle homicides in 2019 were 364. So... You know, you'll you'll hear gun advocates talking about how you know the the gun violence in this country is not a big issue. Um, I would argue that uh, depending on a who you're having that discussion with, uh, for example, if you're having it with uh, someone who lives in Uvalde, Texas, you're probably not going to get very far with that argument uh, right now. Or if, you know, they live in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, or if they live in Columbine, or I'm sorry, in Colorado, or if they live in Aurora, Colorado, or any one of, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of other locations. Uh, it, it is, like many things, subjective as to who you're having the conversation with. Uh, so here, another thing they were they were illustrating in this um, The average school shooting, and this is from Statista, the average school shooting lasts just 12 minutes. Every second of response time saves lives. Now, put a pin in that for a second and we can talk about why the police waited 40 minutes before they went into the classroom to take out that shooter. Uh, How do police compare with armed citizens in this aspect? Uh, Law enforcement response time is 18 minutes. Uh, and there are more than 813,500 uh, police officers in this country. Armed citizen response time immediate, they're already on site. Size 81.7 million armed citizens, and that's uh, calculated by multiplying a 32% gun ownership rate times 255 million adults, or you know, the population size of a few years ago. So it's a little bit of two sides of the argument there. However, it doesn't really um, soften any of the blow that you know we we've seen and we're feeling as a result of the shooting in Texas uh, or the the shooting of ten individuals in Buffalo, New York, uh, whose only trouble was that they were all in the same supermarket that the gunman decided to go into and. Uh, truthfully that they were all black but it's not my intention to turn this into a, a racial discussion. This is uh, about you know, the killing of children in schools where by all expectations we should expect that you know, they are safe every day. So getting back to the, the numbers, uh, there was an article that I found on Snopes.com uh that uh, goes into how many u.s school shootings have taken place in 2022 and you know as they say it really is dependent on who you are getting your numbers from um on social media according to the article some claim the number of shootings up to uh to uvaldi was uh around 30 Uh, but they report that in actuality the numbers vary depending upon how one classifies a school shooting. And by the way, a, a mass shooting is defined by, you know, by federal standards as a shooting that uh, in, in injures or kills four or more people. So, you know, just kind of put that in as a frame for what we're talking about. Um, according to Education Week... Uh, they had recorded 27 school shootings so far in 2022 uh, with injuries or deaths, uh, including the most recent one in Texas. They counted a total of 67 injuries and deaths, which included 27 people who were killed so far this year. Uh, 24 of the deaths were children and three were adults or school employees. Um, the criteria of the the shootings were incidents where a a firearm was discharged where any individual other than the suspect or perpetrator had has a bullet wound resulting from the incident that happened on K through 12 school property or on a school bus that occur while school is in session or during a school sponsored event Uh, and again Education Week noted that this database doesn't track cases in which only shots were fired oh, sorry in which the only shots fired were from a school resource officer or individuals who were authorized to carry guns and did so in an official capacity like a police officer the organization also did not track suicides or self-inflicted injuries uh, according to uh, Every Town for gun safety a nonprofit group advocating for gun control The year so far has seen at least 77 incidents of gunfire on school grounds, resulting in 14 deaths and 45 injuries nationally, not including the most recent one in Texas, so we'd have to increase that by a total of 21. The criteria were broader than those of Education Week. Every town said it tracked every time a firearm discharges a live round inside or into a school building, or on or onto a school campus or grounds as documented by the press. Incidents in which guns were brought into schools but not discharged were not included. Uh, The Center for Homeland Defense and Security, and again, this comes from Snopes.com, the Center for Homeland Defense and Security reported that the largest number of shooting incidents at K-12 schools following the definition of each and every instance a gun is brandished, is fired, or a bullet hits school property for any reason, regardless of the number of victims, time of day, or day of week in 2022, the center tracked two instances of an active shooter situation and 136 instances with a non-active shooter. Uh, And they say, we should note that an active shooter, in quotes, according to the FBI, is, quote, an individual actively engaged in killing or attempting to kill people in a populated area. With the Center for Homeland Defense and Security's broader criteria, which includes simply brandishing a gun or a bullet hitting school property, the overall number of uh, incidents was automatically higher. Every town noted that mass shootings like the one at Sandy Hook and more recently uh, at Robb Elementary in Texas represent less than 1% of overall school gun violence incidents but account for a disproportionate share of the overall deaths and people wounded in school violence. They added that common incidents of gun violence involved specific individuals, arguments that escalated, acts of domestic violence, uh, parking lot altercations, and robberies where the school was an unfortunate backdrop. Uh, in terms of overall mass shootings, including those that took place in school settings and elsewhere, the Gun Violence Archive, an independent data collection organization, recorded 214 incidents in 2022 alone. And in, you know, in some various databases have recorded different numbers based on how broadly they defined, quote, school shooting which could range from incidents where gunfire erupted on school property, but no one was hurt, to incidents where people were killed or injured from an active uh, shooter uh, situation. So, you know, we, we see that the, the definitions of uh, school mass shootings, uh, the definitions of active shooters, the definitions uh, that are used to categorize the victims, uh, all vary widely. However, the, the bottom line, uh, as with any uh, mass shooting event, uh, is the the human tragedy that occurs. Um, you know, as as a father and grandfather, you know, it, it I am extremely upset with you know seeing this violence time and time again. Uh, not just school shootings, but you know the the young man who went into a church. Uh, and, and prayed with the parishioners and then took out a gun and killed uh, 11 of them um, you know uh, of course the uh, the shooting at the high school in Florida um, the shooting at you know just at many places the the shooting in Buffalo uh, you know of course we've got Columbine you know, the the other sh- mass shooting in Colorado around the same time was at the movie theater in Aurora. You know, anytime we have these incidents, um, we, we see a very similar pattern of response from our elected officials, which is, which is what I want to talk about next. Um, in in every aspect, in my opinion, uh, the responses are uh, too little. Um, and are, are really uh, more illustrative of you know, platitudes to, to soothe the collective conscience you know, of, of the American people rather than as a more definitive call to action on what we can do. Time and time again we have seen you know, bills proposed in, in Congress and, and this time in, in the, the aftermath of this shooting is no different. That call for, you know, some levels of, you know, uh, tighter gun control, some levels of common sense, you know, safety precautions, um, background checks, uh, elimination of high capacity magazines. You know, all of these things that are proposed and then end up going nowhere, primarily through the efforts um, of the the gun lobby in this country who work extremely hard and spend you know millions and millions and millions of dollars to divert uh, elected officials away from enacting any kind of substantive uh, gun safety legislation in this country you know the one of the things that you know I, i i read about while i was doing the research is Australia had a mass school shooting, uh, and, and I think it is categorized as one of, if not the largest, uh, school shootings uh, in in the world. And you know the Australian people basically said that's enough. They enacted legislation that banned uh, assault-type weapons. That that banned. Um, you know, handguns and, and, and other types of shooting weapons. And they have not had uh, another similar incident since then. And I believe that legislation went through in 1986. So, you know, it, it points out that if the will of the people uh, are galvanized enough and focused enough and unified enough, that substantive, you know, gun law changes can in fact occur now caveat that with the united states is not australia um australia even before the legislation did not have the per capita count of of guns that the u.s did or does and you know clearly the overarching uh sentiment in the united states uh with regard to guns Is much much different than it is in other parts of the world Uh, and you know a lot of questions that come to the US from you know other countries uh, seem to revolve around why are guns so prevalent in this country now I am I'm not a psychologist and I you know I can't provide a clinical answer to that however you know this country is you know definitely obsessed with firearms, as I said earlier, we have, you know, uh, 120 guns for every hundred people um, in this country, and you know, it it just is part of the the who we are. You know, maybe it's the out the the legacy of the Wild Wild West. Who knows? You know, I'm I as I said, I'm not qualified to get into the deeper psychology of gun ownership in this country. However, um, I think the, the people of this country you know, need an event like the shooting in Texas to kind of galvanize and unify uh, the collective spirit in order to move the kind of social change that's needed uh, to address the, the, uh, the firearm violence problems we have in this country. Um, I can recall, if you, you go back and look at your history, in 1963, um, the Civil Rights Movement was conducting marches uh, in the South, you know, Memphis, Selma, you know, other locations in the South. And it had been covered you know, since the 50s in the newspaper and the print media uh, and you know, hadn't galvanized any public outrage. One thing that changed in 1963 is that the the television media began to cover these marches and began to cover the response from police and, you know, national national guard and, you know, other state officials to these protests. So now all of a sudden, you know, uh, people, particularly in the north and the rest of the country, were seeing that these these people who were protesting for you know civil rights and and jobs and housing were having fire hoses uh, and you know dogs trained on them were being beaten, were being you know uh, stomped and and run over by horses, and all of a sudden the The sentiment of the country changed there. It was that that finger snap moment where, um, you know, the the public opinion all of a sudden realized that that this was not who we are as Americans and that change was needed. And that pressure was brought to bear on, you know, then President Lyndon Johnson uh, as as part of the effort to get him to sign the civil rights laws and and voting rights laws into effect and while he initially was not uh, interested in in doing that when he saw the public outcry when he saw you know americans being beaten and hit with fire hoses on full force and you know we're not just talking men we were talking men women children elderly people uh, being literally washed down the street with a fire hose on full force being aimed at them, uh, that the political system had to bow to the will of the people. Uh, fast forward, you know, uh, another ten years, and you know we were in the midst of the Vietnam War, and I can recall as as a as a child sitting, you know, in the living room with our dinner and, you know, on, on, you know, TV trays, watching the nightly reports from, you know, the, the, the anchors of the day, whether it was Walter Cronkite or Chet Huntley and and Huntley Brinkley report, you know, and and so forth, of these young men being carted out of the battlefield in Vietnam uh, with, you know, bloody wounds and bandages and, you know, heads wrapped up and limbs missing and so forth. And that galvanized other young people uh, to to energize their anti-war movement, which ultimately uh, pressured the government, uh, particularly uh, President Nixon, to to end the Vietnam War. I say that to say we are... Hopefully, we are at another of those type of watershed moments where, you know, we've now seen 19 additional uh, children killed uh, on top of the, the, the 21 that we saw in Sandy Hook. And, you know, the, the people, the, the young people that were killed at Columbine and the young people that were killed uh, in, in Florida and in the high school there, um, I think... You know there is there's something of a sentiment that may be growing in this country that says quite simply, enough is enough. That you know change needs to come. We need to do things differently. Now, does that mean that the federal government is going to you know, galvanize and go out and confiscate guns? No, I don't think so. Um, the American people do not uh, want uh, or or won't. Uh, willingly give up their guns um, just because people are dying and that includes children again in my opinion however i think we are getting to a point where uh, with a push from the people that we can affect change in this country with regard to common sense gun laws um, and that that's what i want to talk about next if we're going to you know, be talking about mass shootings, um, we can expand it beyond just school mass shootings. Uh, and you know, I, I want to give you one more set of statistics to, to process with this. Uh, and this data comes from comes Wikipedia. And uh, it, it's a table that they compiled uh, showing the number of mass shootings by month for 2022 up through April so it doesn't include uh, May as of yet but in the first four months of this year according to Wikipedia there have been a total of 202 mass shootings and remember how we defined what a mass shooting is Um, the total number of dead out of all of those totaled up to 221 with uh, April being the highest month at 75. And again, remember, this does not include May. So, uh, Uvalde is not included in this. The total number of people wounded, including the shooters, was 790. So, you know, these 202 events led to um, 900, or I'm sorry, 1,001 uh, individuals either uh, wounded or killed uh, and again that's just in the first four months of the year and it looks like we're on track to surpass uh, these numbers for the previous year as well so with that being said um, the the question comes around as I was saying about you know what we saw in the 60s with the protest movements and what we saw in the 70s with the war in Vietnam uh, at some point, in, in this country, in the U.S., uh, a critical mass is, is reached with the, the tolerance of the American people for events reaching that tipping point. Uh, it feels to me like we are at that tipping point or, or very close in proximity to that tipping point. Uh, more and more, uh, after this event, um, there are, you know, a, more messages and more, uh, you know, tweets and TikToks and and Instagrams and chats and, and all of this on uh, Facebook pages and so forth, where the the overriding theme is uh, we've had enough, and you know perhaps that energy is building. To where we can see another transition point like we did in 1964, like we did in um, 1973, you know, and and so forth, where the the country is going to speak to its elected officials with a more unified voice to say, you know, we need actions, you know, we need to do. Uh, what is necessary for gun safety in this country. Uh, as I said, it is highly unlikely, given, given the, the uh, affinity of the American people for their weapons, uh, that you know, any kind of large-scale seizure of weapons or surrender of weapons uh, is not likely to happen. However, we can affect and reduce... The number and severity of these, these incidents in several different ways in many different ways through other means um, and you know, I, I've already named a few you know um, there is a bill uh, moving through Congress now uh, actually moving through the Senate now uh, which is H.R. 8 uh, which includes among other things a requirement for a universal background check so that everyone who is purchasing a weapon will have a background check and look for uh, things that might preclude them from owning uh, a, a weapon. Um, there is a, another pro- proposal in that bill called a red flag law, which would identify individuals uh, due to some type of incident who uh, probably should be disqualified from buying a gun. That... Uh, From what I'm seeing in in political feedback is less popular than uh, universal background checks. But nonetheless, it is something that should be considered and discussed and talked about uh, in in, and addressed and moved with our elected officials. Nonetheless, Um, you know, obviously the the high capacity magazines are another issue. Um, You know, so there there are a lot of things that could be done. Um, An interesting way to look at it is if you think about it, you know, we'll use the fact that the the perpetrator of this shooting in in Texas had just turned 18 and had just bought, you know, two uh, AR-15 rifles. Um, it, kind of an equivalent would be to where you know your son or daughter uh, turns 16, gets their driving license, and goes out and buys you know uh, a high-powered automobile like a you know a Dodge Challenger or um, you know an SRT or Hellcat or whatever, um, a, a vehicle that can do 200 miles an hour um, when. They they have not had sufficient training, experience or practice in operating such a vehicle uh, that is you know, likely a recipe for for disaster. Um, we can look at uh, doing you know, many kinds of things in terms of uh, training. Uh, California has a, li- has a liability law gun ownership that is you have to get liability insurance um, you know much like much like we do with motor vehicles there should be a a registration a training process and a licensing process or some process that shows that the person that you know is purchasing that weapon or owns that weapon you know is experienced and qualified and trained to properly handle it Now, I I can hear the arguments piling up from, you know, various areas of the country uh, and, you know, that, you know, we we teach our children how to use weapons. I have I have a friend in Kentucky and he bought his his granddaughter, uh, her first rifle when she was six years old. And but he's also responsible in teaching her how to properly use it how to you know, safely use it, and so forth. Um, so I'm not saying that that, kind of, um, that that kind of care and concern does not happen. I know for a fact that it does. But what I am saying is that depending on where you are in the country, the amount of that, that care and concern and that safety training varies widely. And if, if there are... You know some some basic level safety laws that are in place that would level that playing field. Much like you know pretty much all fifty states require you to you know have some type of training, um, have some type of insurance, and and so forth before you get behind the wheel of a car. Um, then you know the the ultimate end would be that you know we would have a safer Society again, in my opinion. So, as I said at the top, while I support the Second Amendment, I also support and advocate for some common sense um, guardrails on you know what uh, you can do with that Second Amendment. Um, you know, I realize that the likelihood of of getting assault type weapons. Uh, recalled reclaimed uh, is you know somewhere around zero just because of the 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 nature of gun ownership in this country however i don't believe that it is an unfair request to make sure that the people that own firearms in this country um, treat them responsibly treat them safely i think you know you can you can institute a requirement that you know weapons need to be secured at all times when they're not in use uh... we saw in the uh... in the the sandy hook shooting that the the weapon that was used didn't belong to the shooter it actually belonged to a family member and either was unsecured or he knew the combination to the safe in any either way it was accessible to him He got it and he used it to kill 21 um, young students under under the age of seven. So, you know, we we have it within our own power to to address gun controls, um, common sense, gun safety laws and rules. Uh, We can do this. It's the 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 question is a. Does this country have the willpower to to move en masse and make it happen? And B, do our political leaders understand that, you know, this is what we want. As I as I said earlier in the in the in the podcast, 88% of the American people across the board favor some type of common sense gun regulation. So you know, the, the fact that um, the House and the Senate continue to defy those those desires by the electorate is what we need to address. Um, and I, I think, you know, part of that and we'll we'll wrap up the podcast with our um, practice activism, our call to action. Um, I will be posting on the fired up. Facebook page, a template of a letter that you can write to your senator, regardless of which party they're in, um, that brings up these ideas and lets them know that as, as their constituent, you are requiring them to take appropriate and considered action on safe gun usage laws, uh, whether it is the H.R. 8 bill or whatever uh, bill succeeds it, uh, we are beyond time for when this country needs to adopt a more pragmatic, common sense, safe operating mindset with regard to our firearms in this country. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's gotten to the point, whether you're talking about parishioners worshiping in a church or a synagogue, whether you are talking about shoppers in a a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, uh, whether you are talking about uh, you know young school children uh, at school in Connecticut, or whether you are talking about you know middle school children in Texas, uh, or you know anyone else, you're talking about people who attended an outdoor concert in Las Vegas to have fun and listen to some good music and ended up running for their lives because a shooter with a high powered weapon targeted them from an upper floor of a hotel. You know, we, we need to change our thinking and we need to change the thinking of our elected officials. So if you go to the, the Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash Fired Up Radio, you will see, along with the information about this podcast, you will see a, uh, a draft letter that you know, I have put together that calls on our senators to take effective action at some common sense gun control laws. So I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, We'll see if if that catches hold and gets any traction. Um, But you can, you know, you can edit it um, to address to your uh, senator uh, and use it as a template if you want to write other letters to other elected officials, whether it's your your state senator, your state representative or your congressperson in Washington, D.C. So, you know, maybe we can start a movement. Uh, I'd like to see us try so you know I I again as a father as a grandfather I just can't stomach another um, site of a school with you know a wall of flowers and pictures of children planted out front um, we need to get past this this is something we need to do so we'll wrap on that note Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Sorry if I got a little bit ranty, but let's you know let's make a change. Let's get some change happening. All right. In the meantime, please stay safe. Uh, please make sure you're protecting yourself, you know, from the COVID situation out there. Uh, and I will look forward to posting another show in seven days. Have a safe weekend. Hopefully everything stays calm. And we'll talk again next week.